You know why I know it's Thursday? It's like the garage band music. I, we, I don't know where you'd be, trademarked or copyrighted. Anyway, it is at 1046. It's Thursday, August 5th. I'm Guy Adami, joined as always by the great Dan Nathan. Today's episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data, data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, do you think that music as much as I do? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, Dan, I'm sorry. Please tell us what we're going to do here today, Dan. Let's get into it. We got a lot to do, and there's a lot going on in the markets, Guy. And then tomorrow morning, we obviously have the all-important July jobs report. It feels like the markets, um, at least the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, are just levitating here. But we got to hit a couple of big calls by two big Wall Street powerhouses on the S&P 500 year-end targets and some kind of sector moves that they're seeing that might power um, their, you know, they're the moves to their targets here. Get this in there, is, guy. Talk this is that. Well, first of all, I'm glad you said levitating. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people say gravitating. Obviously, gravitational pull is lower. Levitating True. means exactly that. So well done by you. And this is sort of <laughs> the good fellas thing again. You know, one dog's looking this way. The other dog's looking this way. And I'm the guy in the middle like, what do I know? But you know what? I look at this. Goldman Sachs just raised its price target to 4,700 in the S&P 500. I believe that's David Costin. He does amazing work. And one of the reasons he said was, Rates are going to be lower. Lower rates, great for technology stocks. Flip side of that coin is City. They cut their outlook on U.S. stocks based on the entirely different premise that 10-year yields are going to go towards 2%. I think you know where I stand, although right now Goldman Sachs and, by the way, Dan Nathan, who clearly David Costin ripped off some of this material from, seem to be in the lead right now, Dan. I think I might have lost Dan, so I'll just continue. Dan Nathan's been, listen, Dan's done a great job in terms of pointing out that rates were going lower. When 10-year yields were around 165, 17, Dan thought 10-year yields would go down to 120-ish, and they did. They actually overshot down to 115. Here we are now around 120. Dan, are you back with us? I am. You know, Guy, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I love the calls because they really are focused on the most important sector in the market. We know the top five or six stocks all technology names in the S&P 500 make up nearly 25% of the weight. And those same names make about 45% of the NASDAQ 100. Let's look at the S&P 500. You know, rates do feel like every time they kind of dip over the last week or so to that kind of 115 level in the 10-year U.S. Treasury, they've caught some support. We're going to look at that chart in a second. But here's the S&P 500. The range is getting narrower and narrower, guy, right? And you see that uptrend from the March lows here. And then you also see that resistance line going back to September 2020. Sooner or later, something's got to give. I just don't understand with the S&P up 17.5%, what the catalyst will be for a breakout to the upside. And, you know, if we go and test that uh, uptrend line down there at, you know, 4,300 or something like that, there's just no support down to the 200-day moving average. There's an air pocket below, as they say, and that 39.50 level, the 200 day, which grows each day by about five or so points, comes into play. It's interesting to me, and I think you pointed out, earnings have been great. And I think David Costa, everybody is, everybody's out there saying earnings have been strong, but earnings obviously are backward looking. It's a question of what's next. And it's interesting to me in this call that David Costa and Goldman Sachs thought lower rates would be bullish for stocks. You know, I would submit that maybe too low is not good. It's it's a fascinating call. Obviously, I find myself more in the city camp. We are at the upper end of this range in the S&P 500. I think we have to go and take a look at 4,300. And to your point, if we break this time, I think the move lower is going to be pretty quick and precipitous. And then you got to do it. So they say slide it or look at our next chart, which is just as important, Dan. 
it's the it's the Nasdaq, something you've talked about for a while. And here we are. Yeah. So going back to your point about earnings, you know, we just had, um, you know, tremendous earnings by some of the biggest names. Amazon obviously disappointed and they guided down. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, we see this little consolidation here in the QQQ. Again, I go back to five or six stocks making up half the weight of an index of 100 stocks. If all of them were to go in the same direction, let's call it lower, you got to think, you know, there's going to be a five to 10% correction. It's just that simple. And I take you back to September of 2020, when the stock market, the S&P and the NASDAQ, each went down about 10%. Some of the biggest names in the market, Amazon and Apple went down twice that amount. They went down 20%. You think it can't happen. It can happen. I'm not telling you to be positioning for it. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't think the risk reward buying the stocks here after all that news is particularly great. Yeah, I agree with you. And I'm sorry, I was looking down. I just got one of these CNBC notifications, but I think everything is predicated on yields. And that's our next chart that we have to look at. And again, Thanks for fact set for these charts. Ten yields. Great job again, Dan. I have to point it out because you were spot on. But you know, what are we doing here? That 115 or so level seems to be support. You drew the horizontal line, the green line there. You know, we're, we're the 10, the 200 day moving average probably comes in around 124, 125 or so. As we're doing this live right now, 10 year yields are around 120. What are your thoughts? Have we overshot to the downside? Is there going to be sort of this back and fill back up into the one three area? I, th- I think tomorrow is going to be a real test with that July data. Let's say we already saw ADP. Let's just say that the July jobs data comes in weak. Um, what do yields do? If it comes in weak and they don't make a new low, then you might be out of the woods for a while here. We know that the Fed is going to remain dovish. So to me, um, then if you get a break of that downtrend and above that 200-day moving average, you might be contending with higher yields. But the question, Guy, is is like if we had a quick shot to 1.5% where we were just a month and a half ago or so what would that mean for equities if they go up too fast, right? In such a short period of time with equities at all time highs, it's going to be a very curious case, Maud. Yeah, no, Maud, look at you. By the way, yeah. you know, just when you think you're out of the woods, Dorothy, the scarecrow, the tin man, the lion and the little dog, they thought they were <laughs> out of the woods when they got out of the poppy field. If you remember, they were singing the song and it turns out they weren't out of the woods at all. So maybe we'll see what happens. I think if you just go back to one and a half percent, get a huge rally in some of these cyclical names, but the move in technology will probably um, override everything and the market goes lower. But that's what makes markets. You also makes markets analyst calls. And the first one we need to look at, in my opinion, is Cowan upgrading Square. Square's a name, if you watch Fast Money, we've talked about since its inception. A lot of people got this wrong. They thought it was just a hardware play, clearly more than that. But they raised their price target to 343, Dan. They just, I think, reported earnings um, a, a couple days ago, if I'm not mistaken. What are your thoughts here? Because a lot of people are out there making noise and swear. Yeah, the big news was that they used their stock to pay $29 billion for an Australian um, uh, uh, fintech company. It's really a lending company, and it's kind of like uh, at point of sale um, and, and just kind of allowing um, purchasers to kind of extend payments, that sort of thing. And, you know, this is a competitor to a firm. Um, you know, initially when they made that announcement, the stock was trading down Monday 5% in the pre-market. Mm-hmm. It ended up closing up 7 8%. The market spoke. People liked the deal. They liked them using their expensive currency 
currency to do something strategic. And, and I kind of like it too. I can't speak to valuation and, and potential dilution of that sort of thing, but at least they're doing something with their stock where it is. I'll just say this guy, this is truly astounding. With about $130 billion market cap, it is equal to the market cap of Goldman Sachs. The market is also speaking about legacy financial companies and how some of these fintech companies are really changing the landscape of, of consumer finance in general. This speaks to some of the comments that Jamie Dimon made a few months ago yeah. saying fintech was a great threat to these traditional banks. And he's spot on, by the way. And I look at the square chart because here we have, in my opinion, a stock that's about to break out and make new all-time highs. We got this obvious double top, but we're sort of through it if you go back and look. I mean, the average price target, I think, for analysts around 299 or so, the range is somewhere between 175 and 380. Yes, valuation is expensive. And oh, by the way, Raymond James raised their price target as well. But I think this is a name that despite valuation will continue to go higher. It sort of flies in the face of a PayPal, Dan, which you flagged a few weeks or so ago on Fast Money. This made a double top and failed. Completely different stories. I think, in my opinion, I think Square is a better play. What are your thoughts? You play PayPal for a catch up or is Square the play uh, post earnings. What I find really er- interesting, guy, is that double top. You see that rejection there, and that came on fundamental news. This is really important. Marrying the technicals, we look at charts because it's a great way to talk about a story. But the fundamentals, um, you know, sometimes people say the technicals lead the fundamentals. The company guided down for the current quarter, and that's a that's a kind of a big deal. You know, you've seen estimates going up, up, up after um, the pandemic. We knew a lot of behavior was accelerated during the pandemic, and Square and PayPal were there for it. This cash sort of environment. Um, might you see um, a little bit of a bounce, maybe kind of fill in that gap <clears throat> back to 300? I'd also mention this guy, Dami, that PayPal, their market cap at $327 billion is equal to that of Bank of America. So Ridiculous. we're trying to make the point again here. And I just want to kind of you know look ahead here. What might PayPal do in reaction to what we just saw out of Square. I have to think Square took a hard look at the next company we're going to look at, the next chart, which is Affirm. This was a January 2021 IPO. You see that it has not been smooth sailing. There was a lot of volatility out of the gate, but it's come down really, really hard. Again, this is an expensive stock trading about 20 times sales, okay? 20 times sales, but they're doing some very innovative things. And with a $17 billion enterprise value, I have to think that Square took a look at this company. For whatever reason, they decided to buy the Australian one. But I have to think also that this thing is on the block here. So this is kind of interesting. It obviously got a boost after the valuation of the Afterpay acquisition. But um, very interesting here. Keep an eye on a firm. That's that, and that's that Max Levchik, Levchik character, right? Lev-chin, I can't even say his Lev-chin, name. I mean, he's yeah. all these guys. I mean, a lot of PayPal Mafia. Clearly. Yeah, pay, pay, exact, thank you. And by the way, I think a name that you've loved for a long time prior to it uh, becoming a publicly traded company is the name SoFi. Uh, we should take a look at as well because it hasn't traded particularly well, but it actually had a big bounce the other day. Seems to have found a home around 15 or so dollars. But um, I want you to comment quickly. Then I'm going to say there's no yeah. shot of us closing here at 11 a.m. So if you got a meeting at 11, folks, uh, push it back a few minutes. Please, Dan, continue. Again, I just think this is a company that's kind of working in the cracks of legacy finance, right? And it's called social finance. And we, you know, we both are fans of Anthony Noto, the CEO um, of this company. They went public through a a SPAC merger and it has been a very volatile name. A lot of SPACs or companies that went public via SPAC are trading very poorly. I think there's some probably technical issues there. A lot of these companies have a lot of debt here. And, you know, again, they don't have 
have long track records, um, you know, reporting to um, Wall Street investors and analysts. And I think that, you know, there's always that honeymoon period where it's not such a rocky honeymoon period, maybe where you have to get um, your sea legs talking to investors in the public markets here. But I like this one. Um, I think holding 15, it's probably a good play here, maybe back towards 20 in the not so distant future. But again, I also think with a $15 billion enterprise value, this one has to be also on the block here. You know, right? it's a completely different company, it's a completely different industry. But for some reason, this is this reminds me a little bit of Palantir in terms of the huge move up, then the back yeah. and fail sort of meandering. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. I think they're both really important companies. Takes us to our second call, which is I think is pretty interesting. Wells Fargo upgrading Walmart. Um, you know, Walmart, listen, let's just face it. It has not traded particularly well when you compare it to its peers, Target and Costco. They upgraded the stock to overweight from equal eight, raised their price target to 165. Walmart doesn't report until August 17th, sort of later in the earnings cycle. Um, people are going to say valuation is expensive at close to 25 times. The question is, have they moved? Have they made the move into a technology, not a technology company per se, but have they gone down that road enough where that valuation is justified and this price target, quite frankly, is justified, Dan? Yeah, you know, guy, we kind of kind of scooped this call on our podcast on Friday on the tape. Our friend mm-hmm. Danny Moses, our co-host, uh, mentioned Walmart, and we were talking about Amazon. And Amazon obviously was marked down that day seven and a half percent on their disappointing results. And we were saying that maybe Amazon's pain is Walmart's gain. We know that they've invested very mightily in um, you know online sales, distribution, logistics, and they've probably accelerated a lot of that behavior among their customer base. So to me, I like this call a lot. Technically, let's just take a look at the chart. And we'll hold I, that thought before yeah. we go to the chart. I'm just telling you now we're 10 <laughs> seconds away from the top of the hour. You're going to hear a little bell. Don't go running for cover. It's okay. <laughs> we only have a few minutes left. Please continue, Dan. Yeah, but that chart is kind of interesting. Um, you know, it, it had that uh, breakdown in February, very different, uh, diff- uh, you know, disappointing results there. And maybe that sets up for a breakout and low expectations um, into this print. And you get a move back towards the low 150s here. So technically, it lines up pretty good. Sentiment is not particularly great. The stock is unchanged on the year. And that versus Target, which is up nearly 50% of the year, making new highs every day. And Costco, well, there, there it I is. I told you. Yeah, I told you. You did. And Costco, which is up about 17, 18% of the year, also making new highs daily. So maybe Walmart plays a little bit of a catch up into that earnings print. Yeah, I, I think it can actually. I think over the next 12, uh, 10 or so trading days, this is one in the earnings can challenge that November high, the all time high of 153.66 or so. I think you throw valuation out the window as you do for most of these things. And I think, tar- I think Walmart is a buy into this earnings release. And not that it's going to catch up to Target and Costco. But I think it's going to do a little um, a little bit of catch up. We'll see. Then, obviously, John Butters, we have to get to him because Mr. Butters from FactSet does tremendous work. Dan, if you can slide that or this is our one for the road revenue rising. Yes, it is. That's a good sign. You know what? It's not always about earnings. Revenue to me is always the most important thing. Speak to me about this, Dan. Yeah, so you know, John in his earnings insight, he gives us a little preview. Um, that that blog drops tomorrow morning, and I think this just kind of shows the massive distortions that we've seen throughout the pandemic. And if we get twenty four percent revenue revenue growth in in Q two, you look at that year over year. We know what happened last year um, during that period. People were locked at home. Um, they didn't really have anything to spend on. So now you just see companies' revenue just explode. 
exploding. So to me, I don't think there's much to trade off of this. I really think, okay, what sort of deceleration guy are we going to see now on a, on a period over period basis? And I think this is really important because there are some stocks while the market remains um, at highs, there are some stocks that are doing very poorly in this environment because investors are starting to contemplate valuation levels versus decelerating metrics going forward as we normalize post-pandemic. If you see revenue, I mean, this is really important. Revenue to me is the key to everything. If you start to see revenue sort of ratchet back a little bit, this, this market, which in my opinion is extraordinarily expensive, regardless of what you think rates should be or are, I think this can come down in a hurry. So it's revenue you have to watch, not EPS. EPS, as you know, can be, I'm going to use the word, Dan, manipulated. That's a word I chose to use. <laughs> and let's summarize before we get out of here, Dan. Take a look. I mean, this to me is the most important thing. It's fascinating that on the same day, you can have a Goldman Sachs call on one side of the equation thinking interest rates are going to go down. Flip side of that coin, City thinks 10-year yields going to 2%. Obviously, I think you know where I stand. I know where you stand. The square call to me is interesting. I'm with Wells Fargo on this one, Walmart in earnings. Thank you, John Butters. And thank you, Dan Nathan. Give me some parting thoughts before we thank our sponsors. Yeah, so we'll check back on this next week at 1046. Um, but to me, it really, how rates uh, or yields in particular um, in the 10-year respond to the jobs data tomorrow morning is something I'm more uh, most interested in. If we have um, a, a kind of weak number and yields don't go lower, that's probably a pretty decent sign that they've bottomed out. I think you'd probably agree with me. And then it just depends. What are the stock, what's the stock market do? If we have rates rising, are we going to have a little bit of a reset on valuation? It really depends to your point about where we see rotations in the equity market. So to me, jobs report tomorrow, yields and how they respond. Most important thing here. Critical. And of course, the market's higher, Dan. Why today? Because it's open, guy. Yes, it is open. You know what else has been open? This 1046 brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. And of course, our good friends at Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, I will see you next Thursday. I believe that will be August 12th for at 1046. See you then, bud.